0: So what does that make you think of? It
1: makes me think of a beautiful Victorian dinner at a manor in the moors of northern
0: England. No, what does it make you think of, really? Uh Mexican culture? Close. I'm trying to sort of give you a little bit of Brazil. Oh. That's Portuguese influence culture. Yeah, Carnival, right? Carnival, yeah. everybody wears a thong. Do you still wear a thong? Good Lord. Can you imagine me in a thong? I would just like a big rotten peach. Can you imagine? The police would just haul my ass away. What are you charging me with? Everything.
1: Why a big rotten peach? the
0: grossest first thing that came to mind you know, <laughs> anyway, I, uh, <laughs> um i'm trying to make you think uh, of brazil brazil okay have we ever done anything in brazil before i don't think we've ever done brazil and tonight oh, we're doing wow. brazil tonight dan i am taking you to brazil for the story of the mysterious masks of Vintim hill Oh, I've never heard of this before ever. It's a really good story. And it's been on my list of like, gotta look into this at some point. Where for did a you long find time.
1: I find you find things I've never ever even sort of heard of before? Where do you find these things? And you've done more Latin American stories than I have. So maybe
0: is that how you 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 discovered it? Probably. It's probably just cross-pollinated from another story. But I'm gonna call it Vincium Hill because. I've heard it pronounced two ways, Vintam Hill and Vintiam Hill. And I'm going to say Vintiam Hill because that's the way I've heard it pronounced. I have by no Moore. idea the difference of the two things you just said. Vintam or Vintiam? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to say Vintiam Hill because, like I said, that's the way I've heard it pronounced more than any other way. You ready for this one, Dan? This is such a cool story. This is one of my favorite ones that I've really? done. Oh, yeah, because we're going to go off in tangents, and I love tangent stories. So here we go. Okay. okay. Brazil, 1966. Just so you know, da, 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 that's going to be the theme for Brazil throughout the podcast. What do you mean? Is this a musical? Can it be? Can you imagine a musical episode? Yeah. Do I sing the whole thing? I was thinking I would sing and you just play the keyboards. Well, no. No, no, no. It's 1966, Dan. It's August the 20th and we are in Brazil's most f- famous region. What is that? Uh,
1: that would be um, um, Sao Paulo. Rio de Janeiro. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, Rio. Rio is the most famous. It's world-renowned area, known for its beaches, for its beautiful people, and for its celebrations. It's a warm and lovely midwinter's day. And a young boy named Jorge da Costa Alves decides that this is going to be the perfect day for him to fly his kite. Now, down on the ground, the air is very still and very warm. And so, he ventures out towards Vincium Hill because Vincium Hill is the perfect hill for kite flying. Now, when I say hill, Dan, I'm saying hill. This is not, a, you know, a casual hill that you could walk your dog up. Mm-hmm. This is a big, like, booby-shaped hill. It's
1: a, is this, because Rio is built into a series
0: of hills, right? It looks like one of those hills. It's one it of is. those hills. And it,
1: it, it's one of those hills. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it almost looks like the top of a cowboy hat. It's like a very steep, very heavily forested hill. Mm-hmm. So as he's climbing the hill, he can suddenly smell something foul as he begins to ascend the slope. As he moves closer and closer, he comes across two dark heaps in the grass. And as he gets a little bit closer, he realizes that these are, in fact, bodies. He freaks out because he's just a kid. He runs back down the hill and tells his parents, who then notify the local authorities. Now, the authorities obviously want to go up and take a look at the body, but they can't. Because it's sundown, and there's no way they can reach the bodies in darkness. The terrain on Vinciam Hill is so difficult that no one wants to attempt it in darkness, so they have to wait until morning. Mm. So as it turns out, police and rescue teams, and obviously they don't need a rescue team, but you know, that's the way you do it. They don't reach the bodies for almost 24 hours after wow. they've, been, they've been first spotted. So... Police officers and firemen are finally able to reach the site and there they find two bodies lying side by side in the very tall grass. The bodies are so still and perfect that they look to be asleep. Dan, they actually have their hands behind their heads um, as if they had been peacefully just staring at the clouds side by side in the grass. Have you? Seen, is, are there pictures of this? Yeah, there are pictures. Ooh. Both men were wearing matching raincoats over identical, very formal dark suits. Now, wow. the strangest thing of all about this very macabre tableau was the fact that both corpses had lead masks over their eyes. What? Yeah, these masks were crude and heavy and had obviously been made by hand. And indeed, it was later determined that they had been cut from a single sheet of lead and they had been cut in the shape of sunglasses and just were resting on their eyes. Oh, weird. Yeah, they're kind of shaped like sleep masks and they completely obscured the eyes, but that's about all. Mm -hmm. Near the two bodies, the police and the firemen also discovered empty water bottle, two wet towels, a bit of money, and a notebook. And one of the dead men, had a note in his pocket which read as follows. And this is an extremely famous message. Mm -hmm. Anytime you look into the Vincium Hill masked man, you'll come across this message and here we go. 1630, be at agreed place. 1830, swallow capsules. After effect, protect metals, wait for mask, signal. So that cryptic message was written on a note in one of the guy's pockets. So
1: not like a standard suicide note, which you would think with the swallowed capsules. Yeah. It goes no, on not to some at all. weird little added details there.
0: Now, there are no signs visibly of external or internal trauma on the bodies. They literally look like they put their hands behind their heads, fell asleep, and died. Mm -hmm. And strangely, the wildlife, which was abundant on Vincium Hill, had not touched the corpses in any way. Nothing. And there were like turkey vultures around and stuff like that, like just small animals, predatory animals. Which is one of the ways that they can sometimes tell how long a a corpse Like exposure, right? Exactly. These corpses were perfectly preserved. Now, let me take a drink here of my delicious lemonade.
1: By the way, ladies and gentlemen, our show is now sponsored by
0: Lemonade. Just Lemonade. Just Lemonade. So it didn't take long for the police to identify the two deceased men. They had identification on them. They were 32-year-old Manuel Pereira de Cruz and 34-year-old Miguel Jose Viana. From now on, I'm going to refer to them just as Manuel and Miguel, okay? These two were both electronic repairmen who lived in a town called Campos dos Goitacases. And I know I butchered that, but Goitacases is as good as I'm going to get. Yeah. And that particular, I'll just call it Campos, was located 175 miles away from where the two bodies were found. Oh, so they're not even locals. No, and that's a significant distance. Yeah. Both men had wives and children, and they were just ordinary, unremarkable guys. Their neighbors said they were nice guys. Their coworkers said they were nice guys. There was nothing that made these guys stand out or was there. We'll explore that later. The corpses were then taken to the coroner's office. That's the proper procedure. But due to a backlog, they weren't autopsied for several weeks. And this unfortunately resulted in the decomposition of their external organs to such an extent that it was impossible for the coroner, coroner. The coroner, not the coroner. Doesn't the coroner sound like something from a crappy? We are on the quest for the coroner, sacred object of our people. The coroner could not determine the cause of death. Like when there's a suspicious death, Get on it. Don't leave it in the cupboard for two weeks. Well, and were they not refrigerated? Yeah, but they are they had already deteriorated. And apparently, your, your internal organs just will start to um, liquefy. And, and so, they never did a toxicology? They couldn't. There was just – it wasn't going to be conclusive. And they had been out for a couple of days, which I'll explain. So, police began an investigation, and the first step of which involved establishing a timeline for these two guys. All right. So, days before the trip to Vincium Hill – Miguel had told his sister that he would soon be participating in a secret mission. At 9 a.m. on August the 17th, Manuel and Miguel told their families that they were going to Sao Paulo to purchase equipment and a used car. They had taken with them $3 million, not $3 million, they'd taken with them $3 million in Brazilian currency. Now, this would be about $1,300 U.S. Mm dollars. Now, note, when the bodies were discovered, there was only 150,000 in Brazilian currency left on the bodies, so they had spent somewhere 95% of the money they had with them. Maybe on their lead masks. No, they brought those with them. So police discovered they that they had actually not gone to Sao Paulo, but had gotten on a bus to a community called Niteroi. The bus arrived at Niteroi around 2 PM in the afternoon. At that time, it was raining quite heavily. Now, the men did, in fact, visit an electronic store in town because, remember, they were going to go buy electronic components. They were electricians. Mm -hmm. After that, they purchased identical raincoats at a local store, which makes sense it was raining, and a glass bottle of mineral water from a local bar and they had kept the receipt for the glass bottle on them, which seems to indicate that they had every intention of returning the empty bottle later for a refund. That's how it works in Brazil. You keep the receipt, you get a refund back. So people they encountered in the community of Niteroi clearly remembered seeing the two men. Why? Well, because something seemed off about them. They just Mm. didn't seem like normal guys. And the bartender, it was a female, who sold them the bottle of mineral water, said that Miguel seemed very nervous, and he kept checking his watch over and over again. Mm. The last time anyone saw the two friends was around 3.15 p.m. And at that point, they were spotted by several witnesses heading into the hills in a Jeep that was being driven by two other men. So they were in the back of a Jeep. I should note that the young man, uh, the kite flyer who discovered the bodies, allegedly, allegedly saw the pair sitting on the hill around 5 p.m., That day, the day that they went up the hill, because he was a frequent visitor to the hill. He lived at the bottom of the hill and he would play on the hill and he was young, so he wouldn't mind climbing it. That was three days before the bodies were discovered. So, hmm. Three days before. Yeah. The bodies weren't discovered until three days after they arrived. No, no,
1: no. But he saw them alive.
0: Yeah. Sitting on the hill at 5 PM, three Three days days before before the the bodies, he then discovered the bodies. Mm -hmm. So they were there for a while. Wow. And yeah, we can't we can't confirm that he saw them, but he says he did. Remember, he's a young kid. He's like 11 or something. Yeah. No, I, but why not believe him? Exactly. Okay, Dan, so what happened on Vincium Hill? Okay, we know the two bodies had decomposed to such an extent that a toxicology analysis wasn't in any way possible. So what killed them and what brought them to that weird location in the first place? Well, as you can understand and as... I'm sure you're feeling right now, people became obsessed with the mystery. And over the years, more intriguing details began to emerge. This is where it gets really good. And I had no idea going into the story that it was going to get this good. Miguel and Manuel were more than just electronics repairmen. Oh. Manuel's wife later confessed that both men were involved in a movement that she described as scientific spiritism. I've oh. never heard of this before. And both were interested and in and determined to contact alien spirits. So oh. not just aliens, but the spirits of aliens, which is very specific. Just give me mm. a, a moment here. I'm just going to have a drink. My dinner was salty. What was your dinner? I'm not telling you. It's embarrassing. So... <clears throat> Contacting alien spirits. Well, the two men had, in fact, attempted this several times, according to their friend, Elcio Gomez. And Elcio Gomez is a witness who came forward, and he worked not as an electrician, but as a commercial pilot. Now, according to Gomez, the two men had built an electronic mechanism in Manuel's Manuel's backyard, and the purpose of that mechanism was to make contact with alien spirits on Mars, Oh my. So we're not just dealing with alien spirits. Alien That's spirits on movie. Mars. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. Now when they turned the device on, it exploded. <laughs> <We'd-> <laughs> <laughs> it blew up. Oh. So I guess they weren't very good at electronics. Apparently after all. they were very good, but Okay, but no one was hurt when this no, happened. No, no one was hurt, and it was okay. an experimental device, so they didn't really, like, it was uncharted waters. Yeah. <laughs> so, they later, again, rebuilt the device and tried it on a beach in a uh, area called Atafona on June the 13th, 1966, the same year they go missing. Mm-hmm. This time, a few other members of their, organ, their um, scientific spiritism organization were also in attendance, and once the device was turned on, Everyone there witnessed a strange orange-colored oval shape appear in the sky above them. It emitted bright, piercing rays of light before it ultimately shot up into the air and exploded. It's important to note that beyond the the people involved in this, other witnesses saw the strange shape floating over the ocean, and the explosion was felt several miles away by tons of witnesses. Hold on. So, this happened before the contraption exploded. I said they'd later tried the device on a beach. No, no.
1: But what what, what was the explosion
0: that people experienced? The, the thing in the air, the orange-colored orange. Colored oh, it just explodes. In the air, in
1: midair. Oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I thought that it, this thing exploded as well
0: no no the the device was okay this time but the 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 object in the air blew up and people felt it up to 15 miles away do you remember you
1: tried to create that device a few years ago to contact the cast of simon and simon back in the nineteen from the 1980s
0: i loved that show but that's how i lost my eyebrows
1: yeah but you've done a very nice job
0: painting new ones on
1: every morning yeah, and you ch- always change them, right? Some, Some days, days I, look I look surprised.
0: Yeah, angry. Some days I look asleep, which helps. Yeah. All right. So many people reported the explosion and seeing the object in the sky that the Brazilian Navy and Air Force were both brought in. So this to is a real investigate. thing. It's a real thing. They didn't make it up. Wow. This is this is weird. I love this. this is yeah, great. I know, right? So the police thoroughly questioned that third man, Gomez, who was their friend, because according to Manuel's wife, he had gotten into a very heated argument with her husband a couple of days before Manuel disappeared on his fateful journey to Vintium Hill. And during the interrogations, the police had noted many contradictions in Gomez's story, so he became a primary person of interest. Early in his questioning, Gomez confirmed that the men were part of a secret occult organization. Okay. Are you ready? He stated that almost all electronic technicians in Brazil were, in fact, part of that organization and were all scientific (laughs) spiritists. Yeah. So, it's like a cult. It's a cult, but it's all electricians.
1: That's weird. Isn't that the weirdest thing? That's like, um, I know you hate the show, but Seinfeld had a thing like that where these uh, home cleaners, it was a cult, like the Sunshine Home Cleaners or something like that. And that they'd come into your home and clean your home and try to convert you. And then George is upset because they won't convert him because
0: they don't want him. Well, imagine all the electronic technicians in Brazil, all of them. He's saying are part of this movement. And the goal of the organization is specifically to make contact with alien spirits or beings. All members of the organization, including Miguel Emanuel, regularly participated in seances in order to facilitate that contact. And he also said that Miguel Emanuel operated, I love this, a secret radio communication center And the purpose of which was to facilitate contact between all the members of the organization. So Miguel Emanuel had the communications hub for the secret society. And and no government uh, affiliation? None whatsoever. These are private people. Now, I should note that Gomez was not further pursued as a suspect when he was able to provide an airtight alibi. Because at the time of the crime, he was actually with a group of friends in a town that was four hours away. Mm -hmm. So, there was no way he could have been involved with the death of the two guys. Okay. Now, just a little uh, note that I'm going to throw in here. Interestingly enough, uh, by the way, my um, podcast this week, my uh, text is very non-linear. So it's kind of like watching 2001. You're just going to have to roll with it. Mm-hmm. In 1962, the body of a TV repairman named. 62, okay. Yeah, that's four years before. Named Hermes Luis Fetosa was found on a hilltop. And a lead mask almost identical to the ones worn by Miguel Manuel was found next to his body. And sorry, was he an electrician too? Yes, TV repairman. So it's part of their. The, this lead mask must be part of their, their thing one would think so was he too taking the mysterious capsules that had been responsible for you know the the death of these people Mm -hmm. there's no evidence again that an autopsy on this guy had ever been performed brazil keeps dropping the autopsy ball according Mm -hmm. to a newspaper there's a guy named hamilton Bezani who actually confessed to murdering the two guys now, he was in prison at the time, so he had nothing to lose because he was serving a 50-year sentence for smuggling. Okay. They take, they take the crime of smuggling very serious in Brazil. 50 years. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even get that for murder in North America. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a big, bad one. I'm going to have more beverage. Hold on. Well, they do in the States, just not in Canada. Okay. He explained that while hiding out from authorities in Rio, he was a wanted man. He'd been approached by three other guys to assist in robbing and murdering Miguel and Manuel. Hmm. Bizani, who needed money, agreed, and soon the men set off for a nearby spiritualist center. Once at the facility, the men participated in a seance with Miguel and Manuel that was led by a woman named Helena. She was actually in charge of the center and had, in fact, hired the thugs to murder these guys. Do we know why? No. Oh. Following a plan, the men began to talk with Miguel and Manuel and put them at ease. They gained more information about the pair and of particular interest to the criminals was the fact that the two men were carrying a substantial amount of cash on them. So they, you know, they had the money. Once the seance had concluded, they lured the two men into a stolen car and Helena was actually with them. They then drove to Vincium Hill, proceeded to march the men to the summit at gunpoint, and Bizani remained in the car, so he couldn't describe exactly what happened. However, he said, the men returned to the automobile about 30 minutes later, and Miguel and Manuel were not with them. The men, when they entered the car, one of the men, stated as follows, we have killed them both. We forced them at a the revolver point to take the poison. Helena, was taken apparently into police custody and the others would soon be apprehended. However, and you're going to be so frustrated, we'd have no idea what happened after that. There's no record. There's no records of the arrest at all. Weird. Was there a trial? No one can be certain. And, you know, in terms of the body, people keep wondering if this was indeed a robbery and they wanted to steal the money. Why would they leave behind 150,000 in Brazilian, whatever the denomination and, and this is? It flies in the face of the kid's testimony. Right, exactly. That he saw them three days prior. Exactly. So no one knows what to make of this Bezani's um, testimony. Well, it's is bizarre. it possible that
1: Bezani was just kind of not all there and had nothing to lose and was looking
0: for some infamy? But why would he say he went to a spiritual center? That's the sticking True. point. How would he know that they were into this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was very specific about what went on. And seances were these guys' bread and butter. So, Dan, I bet you're wondering too about the notebook that was found near the body. It's an important um, item. Well,
1: it's very presumptive of you to to like say, oh, "I bet you're wondering about
0: that." Well, I would have. I was well, when I, I was, first read about it. Yeah, but was. that was a bit. That was a bit. You know, wow. <laughs> you don't know me. Just sit down and think about your life. Okay, the notebook contained a series of bizarre mathematical equations and symbols and some odd notes which read as follows. And let's face it, Riley, most mathematical things are bizarre. <laughs> Amen, brother. So, it's, one of them said, for example, Sunday, one capsule after lunch. Wednesday, one capsule at bedtime. And these kind of messages were scattered through the book. It was later determined that a number of the strange letters and numbers were actually uh, part numbers for electronic components, nothing more than that. Okay. So, they were just identi- you know, identification yep. numbers for these, these things that they were going to purchase. It has, however, been theorized that the men believed that the consumption of drugs, specific drugs, would allow them to receive radio and television signals telepathically. And this would explain the notes in the books where they seem to be taking regularly these strange capsules. Mm -hmm. The entries would suggest that the two men had been ingesting these capsules on a regular basis for quite a while, all the way up to the fateful trip up Vincium Hill. One of the questions that everyone keeps asking is, what was the purpose of those strange lead masks? Because that's what really makes this stand out.
1: Um, I, I'm just going to postulate here for a second. Is it possible that uh, Bizani, was that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he he was their drug dealer? And maybe that's how he knew
0: of, of the two? Uh, he was selling them drugs? It could be, it was never mentioned, but he said that the first time he ever met them, was that night at the seance? And he was just part of another bigger operation that he just went in on for money. Like the thing is, he had nothing to lose because he was in prison for the rest of his life. Yeah. So it could be, it could be okay. good. Good detective work there, Dan. Well, thank you. <laughs> okay, the masks. Yeah. Let's talk about these masks. Okay, they bore a striking resemblance to masks that people wear to protect against radiation. But it makes no sense because why would you only protect your eyes? you would fashion an entire hood or even better, a protective suit because protecting your eyes is not going to protect you against radiation. Yeah. It's because radiation just gets in everything and it also, it's bad in internal organs is what it really targets. Mm -hmm. Now, it's important to note that the masks had no means of being secured. They had no bands on them. There was no way to keep them on. So they were obviously meant to be worn in a prone position. You couldn't wear them standing up. They'd fall off. Mm -hmm. So you had to be lying down. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of people said that they were designed to protect the men's eyes from a supernatural light source. And they believed that, that if you stare directly at that supernatural source without protection, you could and would likely be blinded. Well, I mean, there was these explosions. Yeah, up in the air that people felt. Uh, yeah. They felt them 50 miles away. Mm-hmm. Finally, when the police searched uh, Miguel's home, they found indeed a pair of metal shears and a, a bunch of lead remnants. So it became very clear that he had, in fact, made those masks. Okay. So they, they were obviously homemade, too. You can see pictures of them. They just look like big, ugly sunglasses. They really do. Okay, Dan, now this is where this led me that I wasn't expecting to go. And I really like this. And I actually ordered a book by accident. I ordered a book on this. So it's going to be arriving anytime. Let's talk about spiritism. Because like I told you, I had never come across that word before. I'd heard of spiritualism, but never Mm -hmm. spiritism. Okay, spiritism is a movement that began in the 1800s. And it started with a man, one man named Alan Kardec. And just so you know, Manuel owned several of Kardec's books, so there's the connection. Kardec's real name was Hippolyte Leon Denizard Reveille. Oh my God, that's a better name. Why did he change it? I think he probably wanted more traction with an English audience. Oh. He lived from 1804 until 1869. And in his 50s, Kardec became obsessed with seances, which had become, as you know, we've talked about it a million times, very popular. Mm-hmm. So, Kardec began to study psychic phenomena, and in particular, the use of mediums to communicate with the spirit realm. And during his investigations, well, his, as his investigation started with him preparing 1,000 questions pertaining to spirituality and spiritual communication, the reasons for human life on earth, and the spirit realm itself. And once he had refined these thousand questions, he then directed those questions to 10 chosen mediums who had no connection to one another. They didn't Mm -hmm. know each other. He asked them the questions and then documented their responses. Following that study, he was able to work with the data and conclude that spirits that survived death were in fact responsible for some communications through mediums. Reason? Well, he found proof. They would convey information that these mediums could not possibly have known. They demonstrated skills that the mediums could not possibly have had, such as writing or speaking in foreign languages that they didn't know. And finally, that the mediums would accurately portray characteristics of a deceased person that they would have no knowledge of. Hmm. So he believed it, and he adapted his findings into a philosophy that he called spiritism. What was his control? Like, how did he know? Because he,
1: he, so he asked these 10 mediums, the same a thousand questions. questions.
0: A thousand so questions. The same
1: 1,000 questions. Exactly. Wow. And do we know what those thousand questions? Are? I'd be so curious to know what some of them There's are. There's a whole
0: bunch of books written about him. I ordered one by accident. So. Um, yeah. It, yeah. So that's it, it's what it's honest. about. Uh, the, this one is a guide for mediums that I ordered by accident. So it's a guide for mediums on how to contact the spirit realm, which I think will be great reading. Are you going to? I'm going to read it. it. I'm not going to do it. Don't try to contact. Well, I've never in my life had any indication that I'm a medium. I don't have any (laughs) contact with the spirit world. I just have contact with my fridge. (laughs) You're on fire tonight with the one-liners. So, he created spiritism, and he defined it as a science that deals with the nature, origin, and destiny of spirits and their relation with the corporeal world. This is fascinating. I bet Margot knows about this guy. Yes. So, it's important to note that the name Alan Kardec was actually suggested to him by a spirit named Truth. Don't you love that there's a spirit named Truth? Yeah. Truth sounds like they'd be sassy. Yeah. I'm giving you the truth. Yeah. So, Kardec would go on to publish the following books. The Spirit's Book, The Medium's Book, which I accidentally ordered, The Gospel According to Spiritism, Heaven and Hell, and the – How do you accidentally order a book? I meant to put it on my uh, watch list or my faves list, and I actually hit buy now. I hit the buy now button. I've done that before too. Have so you done it too? Times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, it's on its way. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so again, the um, where were we? Heaven and Hell. And finally, his last publication was The Genesis According to Spiritism. And these books are collectively known to people who follow him as the Spiritist Codification. Okay. Yeah, and this is great, too. I'd love to see issues of this. He also published a periodical called Review Spirit Until His Death. Interesting. Yeah. Why have I never heard of this guy? Why have I never heard of spiritism? Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Anyway, so I've got one of his books on the way, so I'll, I'll let you know, um, again, and dear listener, about what uh, what my findings are. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, Manuel owned many of these books, and it was later discovered that he had actually highlighted a number of passages in all of them. Okay. So these books were important. Sure. So we can safely conclude, Dan, that he was deeply into spiritism. It wasn't dabbling. He wasn't mm-hmm. just dipping his foot in the pool. He was swimming. And and this this cult n- didn't have a leader or anything per se. Not that I can so that find. The, maybe
1: the source material was kind of yeah was uh, was was leading them on.
0: Now the the fact that he was involved was cooperated, uh, cooperated corroborated by a great deal of evidence, including the testimony that Gomez gave, which I mentioned earlier. And there's something important to point out here. Brazil has more followers of spiritism per capita than any other country on earth. Strange. Where's that giant uh, radio telescope. The
1: the part that's part of the SETI project. Is that in Brazil? ASIO. What is it called? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's in the the movie.
0: It's in the movie contact. Arecibo. Arecibo. I'm sure it's called Arecibo. Arecibo. How do you spell that? Do you think? Arecibo Observatory. It's in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, Now you're probably wondering why there's so many people into spiritism. Well, it's important to recognize here that Brazilians are among the most superstitious people on the Mm -hmm. earth Mm -hmm. and they really believe in everything paranormal. Very heavily Catholic too, right? I I would imagine. Yeah, the things usually go hand in hand, right? Yeah. There are theories floating around out there that the two men were actually on the hill to pick up illegal items and that a meeting went terribly wrong. Uh, But there's no evidence to support that. And people have speculated that the items were stolen electrical components or actually radioactive material. Now, this can be supported by the fact that there was a huge, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... When you can't get something. A shortage? Yes, thank you. There was a huge shortage of electronic components in Brazil at that time. And there was a a robust smuggling trade operating Mm. to get those components into the country. So it could be, I guess, radioactive material. There's another link to that guy. So, let's talk about that. Now, if they had been handling radioactive material, they would have been wearing protective gear, not just a mask. And an analysis of their hair follicles determined that they had not been exposed to unusual levels of radiation I was at any ask time. Yeah. Any time in the, in the
1: you know. Well, I was going to ask, maybe that's why they decompose so quickly is if they were breaking apart. But, okay, no,
0: good, good, good. Okay. They tested the hair follicles, no signs of radi- radiation exposure. There are some people who maintain that the men simply overdosed on whatever drug they were taking. There's still other people who suggest that they'd actually formed a suicide pact and in fact, never intended to leave that hill. So at this particular time in history, Brazilians were heavily into UFOs. It was like Roswell in Brazil at that time, like when the Roswell thing went down. Interesting. It was Roswellian proportions. Everybody was seeing them. Everybody was being kidnapped by them. They were everywhere. It was the mid-60s. Sightings were occurring with almost daily regularity. And witnesses who saw them were not just, you know, townsfolk uh, townsfolk and peasants, they were military officers and really trustworthy sources. So, people were really convinced that this was going on. In fact, in 1957, uh, a Brazilian actually claimed to have found pieces of a UFO that exploded on a beach and these were taken in for scientific study. And guess what? There's no record of that study ever having been completed. It's strange, isn't it? That it's not just a Brazilian phenomenon. It's all throughout the world.
1: That there's these hidden sighting sightings starting in the 1950s and
0: 60s. It is a very interesting thing that, that exactly that that begins around it begins worldwide around the same time.
1: And that and I mean I I I've, I've seen things that try to analyze it from a psychological perspective that maybe it has something to do with the Cold War and humanity's imminent destruction via nuclear war that they're searching for. But I don't know. It's still very odd that there's Worldwide, that this people are seeing these things, and now we're st- we're seeing that even today, where the government's even saying, "Yeah, we have this did happen.
0: We did see these things, and we don't know what they are." Yeah, we'll be we'll be exploring UFOs a lot more in this podcast in the future, I guarantee. Because I'm fascinated. I don't know. I don't know about that. So on the night that Miguel and Manuel met their unfortunate end, a woman named Gracinda Barbosa Contino da Souza. <laughs> contacted authorities after she saw a strange ob... I know, it's a great name. She saw a strange object floating above Vincium Hill. She described it as a large oval, orange-colored object with a ring of fire Weird. Okay. around its perimeter. And this is exactly the same kind of object that their machine conjured on the beach that day.
1: And And no connection to these people at all? She never heard of them. Okay.
0: Yeah, because they're not from there. Remember, they took a bus... Yeah. To get and this there. is before
1: internet and stuff, so it's not like people would have known the story afterwards and Oh, I saw something that fell no. that fell into that sort of thing. It's yeah, not yeah. that kind of mass
0: hysteria kind yeah. of thing. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when the authorities went to investigate her claims, because she actually phoned them about it, the object was of course gone. However, when news of this sighting began to spread, a substantial number of people came forward claiming that they too had seen the object over Vincium Hill, and their descriptions of the object were all identical and they were in no way connected to one another. So all of these witnesses corroborated the fact that it looked like an orange oval in the sky with a very bright light around its uh, circumference. This also reminds me of the
1: Lumerians, which also ties into this whole spiritual th- piece too. Remember when I did the Lumerians and Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta and about the, the oval type thing that would hover above the mountain, the fact that they were communing with not just aliens,
0: but like the ghosts of aliens. Ah, this is neat. I know the Ghosts of Aliens is such a specific thing. It's like, what? Well, why not? Okay, so I'm going to wrap it up. I thought this would go way longer because it was a long script. It's, it's my fault. It's because I, I haven't been interrupting very much. And I just barreled through it, but that's okay. I'm sure the listeners are happy they can now go to sleep. So there are people believe that aliens killed the two men. If you're my neighbor, Sasha, you've already fallen asleep. <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. She I think she still falls asleep to the show and then tells me about it. Yeah, but Dan, I fall asleep to some of my favorite podcasts. She
1: does wake back up eventually, thank God, and finishes them apparently. So
0: it's not like she hates them. It's just that our voices put her to sleep. Well, I also do it at like midnight in my bed. So of course I'm going to fall asleep. So give the woman a break.
1: And as you're listening to our voices, your eyelids are feeling heavy. Can I just tell you really quickly, uh, when I was 13 years old, or 14, I went to the uh, large exhibition uh, fair in our city. Large? The Super X.
0: Large. Oh, I thought you said a large exhibition. I'm like, that's... (laughs) Sounds like you grew up in a really rural community. We uh,
1: we had a lard uh, exhibition every year. It was great. We had, uh, you see, we had uh, cow
0: byproduct. Uh, we had pig byproduct. And my uh, sister, sister Janine was voted Miss Lard two years in a row. <laughs> my brother Daryl
1: and my other brother Daryl both won the pie eating, uh, lard pie eating contest
0: uh, two years running. I shouldn't actually laugh at, you, at lard because my grandmother used lard and it made the best pie crust in the world i used duck lard uh, to make uh, a potato recipe recently did you really i did and was it good
1: it was probably crispy right oh, and delicious extremely and a nice little duck taste to it too it was very good it was a recipe from a, a neighbor that was excellent i'm hungry um i got hypnotized at the this uh, fair when i was you 13, told us 14. a story oh
0: this is in the cast way back in the day well what did i say What did you say? Yeah, I remember it was like an outdoor thing. And I guess you can tell them again. Well, I don't even remember. I know you told
1: the story. I don't even know that it's a great story. It was about my voice being melodic like that. And I remember not knowing whether I had actually been hypnotized or not, but feeling very
0: relaxed on stage. So, Dan, there are people out there who think that the aliens actually killed the two guys because the two guys conjured one of their ships and then blew it up. So th- so they think that what happened on the beach was they made one of their ships manifest and then it exploded and they were mad and so they killed them in retribution. Oh. Now there's another theory out there that a lot of people believe in and these are the serious UFO people that they did spiritually join the aliens. They left their corporeal existence behind and they entered a new realm, a new state of higher consciousness and they're there watching us now. Just like in 2001 Space Odyssey, which
1: we've mentioned two weeks in a row where the aliens know, but the aliens
0: transcend the physical form, right? They become lights and yeah. It's not an uncommon thing. It was actually in Battlestar Galactica to this day, Dan, this is the most frustrating part of this whole thing. We have no idea what was in the mysterious capsules. No capsules were found in Miguel or Manuel's home on their person, no one was ever able to produce a capsule so that it could be scientifically examined. So we don't know what it is they were taking, but a lot of people think it was just hallucinogens. Because sure. a lot of people take hallucinogens because they believe it opens quaaludes. your consciousness. No, 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 quaaludes are downers, they just put you to sleep. No, like, you know, like what, peyote and stuff like that, which Well, would- that shows you how much I know about drugs. Yeah, Quaaludes are just. um. Peyote, just, yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, or what is it? We, people go to where? Peru and they do that um, that thing where they drink that and have a, a journey. A tab? Oh, you're impossible to talk to. No, what is that? Ayahuasca? Ay, ayu. I have, no, I have no idea what you're talking ayuhasca, about. Ayahuasca? Hold on. Ayahuasca is a South American psychoactive brew used both socially and as a ceremonial spiritual wow. medicine among the indigenous people, of the Amazon basin. Well, cause people, kids from America go to Peru to take Iowa, however you pronounce it. And they wanna have this amazing spiritual experience. It's a very famous thing to do. Yeah, it's dangerous though. You have to be overseen by someone who really knows what they're doing, apparently. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to know what's in the mysterious capsules. It might be ayahuasca. <laughs> uh, somebody please tell me how that's pronounced cuz I have no idea. It says here ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Okay, we'll call it ayahuasca. Anyway, it's a it's a famous thing that that uh, rite of passage and so it might have been something like that that just opens your mind to other other planes sure. of existence. So Dan, that is the story of the mysterious masks of Vintium Hill and the men that were found wearing them. Very cool. I had never heard of this, as I mentioned before. It's not at all where I
1: thought it was going. Me neither. I thought it was going to be more like a ghost story.
0: When I first came across it, I thought it was like some weird spooky government murder weird thing, but no, no, no. And you know what I love? I love the fact that I've stumbled across this thing called spiritism that I'd never heard of before. Which may spawn uh, episodes in the future. Well, the medium's book, as I said, is on its way to my house, so I'll crack that and see what it's all about.
1: Yeah, and maybe do a, sh- a special on him.
0: Yeah. When Margot comes, we'll have to ask her uh, if she knows anything about this guy. She must, I mean, because he's very, very well known. Yes, and Margot is coming soon, dear listener. Very soon. We're going to have a guest uh, who's been with us before, Margo McDonald, and she'll be, um, she'll be sharing some stories of the weird with us, and we can just back- sit back and listen. Yes. So Dan, that's my story. Um, I loved that one because it went oh, all over the place. That's a bit um,
1: full of yourself.
0: Oh, I did. I love Bezani, the the guy in the jail who admits to murdering them. And
1: I'm kidding. It was a great episode. I loved that, full of
0: intrigue, lots of twists and turns. Yeah, and spiritism, which I'd never heard of, and now I know that Brazil is an extremely superstitious, into kind of like no, this I had no idea supernatural. About that. Yeah, I had no idea either.
1: I would put that in the category of the weird, like I, I agree with you what you said earlier about uh, some of the, you know, the, the alien stories where people say that they were pulled up out of their car and and probed and stuff like that. I, I give less credence to those stories. Than, the, I fit this into the, the truly weird and odd stories. And for me, it's the piece where people who are not connected at all to the story saw this orange light and felt the explosion, that's odd. The fact that the military got involved,
0: that's odd. And the claim that all of the electricians in Brazil are part of the spiritual movement? And I wonder if they still are. I don't know. I don't know. Spiritism, wild. Wild. We do yeah. have some listeners in Brazil.
1: If you could reach out to us to let us know if you've ever heard anything about that it uh, you know, that'd be really yes. cool to know more about. I would like to know, I would like to know.
0: Yeah. And let us know uh, about living in Brazil. Is it a very superstitious culture mm-hmm. about UFO sightings, stuff like that. So yeah. I, uh, yeah. Good to know. All right, folks. Um. Give you the usual litany. Thank you so much for joining us this week as we sojourn into the weird world of the unexpected and unexplained. um We don't ask for anything except that you continue to listen to us, that you subscribe, and maybe if you have friends who you think might like this, share the word of the weird. Dan came up with that uh, phrase long ago, and it yeah, we repeat it every week. It too, because the, every time you use it, I could charge you. It's got a good bounce to it. chair. Word, word of the weird. Weird.
1: Yeah. Does. Yeah,
0: with um, with them because the more we grow, the better things will be. Because someday we'd like to be able to um, be able to uh, to do this on a more regular basis and offer you all kinds of stuff like Patreon extras, but we can't right now because obviously we work and have other responsibilities. But um, anyway, it is the a labor website of love. is
1: coming. It is coming. We we are literally at the point where we just have to figure. It's there. In fact, it exists. It's just not public yet because uh, you and I have to pretty it up, Riley. I will get some nudes. That's what I was hoping for.
0: And I look like a a rotten peach. A rotten peach or a dirty peach. I thought it was dirty peach. It's rotten peach. Yeah. Yeah, Rotten peach. A dirty in the sink peach. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what that means. I don't know what that is either. Okay, Dan, wrap it up. It's a gross image. All right. Thank you everybody for listening.
1: I'm Dan. That guy over there is Riley. Good night.
0: Thanks for joining us. See you soon.
1: Aboard our more McCormick luxury liner, we enter one of the world's most spectacular harbors, the approach to Rio de Janeiro, capital of the United States of Brazil. No matter what the time of day or night, everyone is on deck for his first glimpse of this, the world's most beautiful city. The harbor was discovered on January 1st, 152, and was first believed to be the mouth of a great river, hence the name Rio de Janeiro, or River of January.